Good morning. This morning's scripture reading comes from Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There are some people that go through life and they just have that little voice in the back of their head that's telling them exactly what they were meant to do and to be. My friend Steve Mora, when he was five years old, he was ran over by a bus in the streets of Lima, Peru. And the tire of the bus ran over his knee, but it was quick work by an orthopedic surgeon that saved his leg. And his parents then moved to the United States where he would uh, get the right kind of care that he needed because the growth plate had been damaged. And throughout his life, Steve would undergo surgeries to make sure that his leg would grow. Steve knew from the time that he was five years old that he was going to be an orthopedic surgeon. And if you look up the list of surgeons at UCLA Medical Center, you're going to find his name there. He's well-respected he's well respected and well-known in his field. Now, in contrast, my story was a little different. I could never settle precisely on what I wanted to be. I was interested in everything. And my father happened to be a high school guidance counselor. So you can imagine that what he began to do is shape, you know, what I was going to do and be. He saw that I was interested in airplanes and cars and, and space travel. And so he thought, ah, Steve should be an engineer. And so we together crafted my, my high school career to be heavy in math and science. And we began to look at how I could get into a good engineering school. But during my first year of college, I realized that I didn't want to be an engineer. I found that I was drawn to the written word and self-expression and making a difference in the world and in people's lives. And I'll never forget that day when I had to walk in and tell my dad that I didn't want to be an engineer and that I was going to change my major. And I will also remember how my anxiety and unease was unwarranted because of the love and the grace that he gave me in that space and the encouragement that he gave me. Not every kid's as lucky as that. 
We've all heard stories of, of parents forcing their children to be lawyers or doctors or to take over the family business. And we've witnessed people we know have their dreams and identities stripped away by overzealous parents. And we've seen movies and television programs that tell similar stories. Sometimes we can't let people be who they were meant to be. And we do our best to impose our own hopes, our own dreams, and our own goals upon them. And I want you to keep that in mind as we think about this morning's scripture passage. Jesus has reached a point in his life where he is feeling a call to go into ministry. And so he leaves Nazareth and he heads south and he goes to this place in the Jordan River. And it's a place where John the Baptist is preaching. He's gathered the crowds and he's telling them to repent, to be baptized and to flee from the wrath which is to come. John was calling the people back to a way of personal holiness. And he was preparing them for a coming Messiah. One that John said, I am unworthy to untie his shoes. John was a wild man who had no time for the temple, no time for the government, no time for the synagogues. He thought that they were the reasons that Israel had fallen into such a, such a spiritual malaise. But what he was doing with this, this ritual of baptism, it was kind of unprecedented. It was something new. See, nowhere in the Hebrew scriptures do we find a, a, a ritual for a person to be baptized as a sign of repentance. There are some ritual baths that people are called to take in order to restore their, their ritualistic cleanliness. There are ordinance in the laws for the sanctification of the instruments and tools and dishes that were used in the temple worship. And these things all give us a hint as to what John may have been doing there at the Jordan. This idea of sanctifying, of setting people aside. And when we think of where he was doing it, it was a place where the children of Israel had come after their 40 years of wandering and prepared to enter into the Holy Land. And Joshua the day before tells them to go and sanctify yourselves for tomorrow we enter the land which God has given to us. And so we think that John may have been calling upon people to sanctify themselves and to re-enter the Jordan, re-enter Israel and the promised land in preparation for the coming Messiah. He was preparing the people for a historical movement of God's hand. One that was going to bring about God's reign of justice, of equity and peace as promised by the prophet. He was preparing the people for the Messiah. And so Jesus arrives and he wades into the water and John sees him and recognizes him. 
And here in Matthew, it simply says, and John tried to stop Jesus, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? You see, John has expectations for the Messiah. He expects that this Messiah will be the one who resets everything according to God's justice, which means that the Messiah will be holy and righteous and that this baptism of repentance, well, it's not needed. In fact, it, it kind of made me chuckle because I was remembering being in Sunday school and asking my Sunday school teacher, if Jesus is without sin, then why does he need to undergo a baptism of repentance? Yeah, I was that, if you've ever taught Sunday school, I was that kid. The same question that John the Baptist had in this moment. And Jesus has an answer, but it's kind of vague and cryptic. He says... It is necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Okay, Jesus, what does that mean? Well, one day I hope we, we all get to ask Jesus what that meant, but here is what I think it means. Christian baptism is something more than John's baptism of repentance. It's a rite of initiation. So while we may still think of baptism as a way in which our sins are washed away, it is also the way that the church accepts and receives converts, and it's the way that it accepts and receives members. It is the way that it accepts and receives people. Baptism is the way that we are incorporated into God's movement in Jesus Christ. So this thing that Jesus started, this ministry that Jesus began, it is the way in which we are incorporated into it. Now, one of the scripture readings uh, for this morning, we didn't read. It comes to us from the book of Acts. And it's an excerpt of a fairly long story. It's about where, where Peter is called to go and do ministry in Macedonia. A guy by the name of Cornelius. And the story begins where Peter has a vision of all these non-kosher foods coming down from heaven and a voice saying, eat. And Peter saying, no, no, I would never eat those things. And then God's voice saying, do not declare unclean the things that I have declared clean. And then he gets this call to go, this man in Macedonia, to go and do ministry. And he goes to the house of Cornelius, who's a Roman centurion. And he goes there, and he begins to preach the gospel. And what happens, the Holy Spirit descends upon the house, and all who are there are affected by the Holy Spirit in the same way the disciples were on the day of Pentecost. And in that moment, Peter realizes something, that the restraints that he has put upon the kingdom of God, that he has put upon God's movement, that he has put upon this ministry of Jesus Christ that he's inherited, that those barriers have to fall away. 
And that these people that he thought were unclean, that he thought were unacceptable, that he thought that he was supposed to separate himself from, God is already at work. God has already embraced. God has already empowered. God has already received them. And in recognition of what God had already done, the whole household of Cornelius is baptized. And when I mean household, household baptisms were everybody. You'd begin with the head of the household and then wife or wives, and then all the children, then all the servants, slaves, and even the livestock would get baptized. Everybody in the household got baptized. And it was a way of saying, me and my house belong to the Lord and will serve the Lord. And it's a way at which Peter is able to say, you are a part of the body of Christ. Without limits, without barriers, all those things that we have put up to contain what God is doing, God moves beyond them. God moves beyond them. But there's, but let's go back to Jesus's baptism and him being there in the water. If baptism is a rite of initiation, there is a way in which Christ undergoing baptism means that he is identifying with all those that are being baptized. That he is including himself in that same movement. That he is identifying with those who want to do God's work. And Christ is baptized to show that God is for everybody. There's no partiality in the way God moves. And as he's baptized, he has this moment where he sees the skies open and the heaven and, and the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And he hears that voice from heaven saying, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. And when we get to John, John had to let Jesus be Jesus. John had to agree, okay, Jesus, you want to be baptized? I don't think I need to, I don't want to, but you know what? I'm going to do it because you're, you're telling me to. John couldn't insist on imposing his own thoughts, ideas, and notions as to what the Messiah was and was going to be like. And the truth is we have to do the same thing. Like Peter and like John, we have to let Jesus be Jesus. We have to let the Holy Spirit roll where the Holy Spirit is going to roll. And we have to be like the waters of baptism. And that we embrace all who find their way into it. And here's some examples. 
There was a time in the history of the church when the church believed that women could not be pastors and could not have authority in church. And usually that was a position that was put forward by men who took a couple of scriptures out of context and said, this is how it is and how it has to be in order for the church to be holy. And for almost 2,000 years, that's how the church operated. But what did we discover when women were allowed to be ordained? And, I, and I'm using that term allowed loosely because I know that throughout history, God anointed and did amazing work through leaders in the church who were women, who did amazing things and contributed greatly to our tradition and to our history. But when the church finally relented because it saw what God was already doing, what did it discover? That they are just as capable and effective and holy and spiritual and righteous as any of our male clergy. We discovered that gender was not an issue or a barrier when it comes to serving God and doing ministry. And in the same way, I have several colleagues who are gay that serve as ordained ministers. And what have we discovered? That God works through them exactly the same way that God works through straight clergy. They are active and passionate Pat, as anybody. And yet our church policy, polity excludes them from ministry. And every day they serve, they wonder if they will be placed on trial. Thankfully, recent news says they're going to not put anybody on trial between now and the next general conference in, in May. I'll receive that as good news. But this is, this is really where I'm going with all of this. All too often, we impose our own limitations on the gospel. And we all impose our own expectations on Jesus. And we want Jesus to comply with who we want Jesus to be or who we need Jesus to be. And that has to stop. We have to let Jesus be Jesus and we have to let Jesus examine us. And we are the ones who need to reshape and reform based upon what the Holy Spirit is doing, based upon what we, how we encounter Christ in the scriptures. We have to stop forcing Jesus comply to what we want Jesus to be. And here's why baptism is a great model for that. We baptize anyone who wishes to come and be baptized. We baptize children who can't speak for themselves. We don't know what their lives will be. We don't know who they will be, but we baptize them because we know who God is. 
because God will be with them wherever they go and whoever they become. I pray one day that our church and our ministries and our hearts will be as inclusive and embracing as the rite of baptism.